when you start talking about food waste, we're wasting so much food that it, it's like tons and tons of food. So when a supermarket says, we redistributed 100 tons of food last year, that sounds amazing. But um, at Feedback, we have a gleaning network that goes to farms and harvests fresh fruit and vegetables that otherwise would have gone wasted. And last year, we, we saved 100 tons. So you're kind of going, well, we're like a tiny like charity and we managed to do that with like a group of volunteers. So um, if only like, if one supermarket, when you put that into context, that's not that much. Yeah. But if you read that as a standalone figure on a company's website, that seems impressive. Welcome to the Food is Wasted podcast. My name is Chris King, and you just heard Christina O'Sullivan talking about how numbers can be deceiving when it comes to measuring food redistribution and food waste. Christina works for Feedback, a London-based organization running several campaigns related to food waste such as the Gleaning Network, which she mentioned there, and the Pig Idea, both of which have featured on the Food is Wasted website. Feedback recently published a report called the Food Waste Scorecard, authored by Christina, which ranked the 10 big supermarkets in the UK according to their performance in reducing food waste. The supermarkets were ranked using available data against the food use hierarchy, which requires that prevention be the priority towards tackling waste. You can see a visual of the hierarchy in the show notes, just go to foodiswaste.com forward slash podcast and navigate to the page for this particular podcast. Tesco came out top of the rankings, having adopted measures including the publishing of third-party audited food waste data, the first supermarket to do so in the UK, signing up to the UN's Sustainable Development Goal 12.3 of halving food waste from farm to fork by 2030, again the first supermarket to do so, as well as being committed to extending transparency to include measurement of food waste in its supply chain. So not just what occurs um, in its retail outlets, but also by its suppliers. At the bottom of the rankings was Waitrose, which has done very little in terms of transparency and action towards reducing food waste. Hopefully the publication of this report and the publicity it's getting will motivate them to act more responsibly. There's a huge room for improvement from all supermarkets, and really, there needs to be policy written by government to push for more meaningful and sustained action by all supermarkets. Voluntary targets, such as those set out in the Courtauld Commitment 2025, are evidently just not sufficient. You can download a copy of the report via the link in the show notes. Again, go to foodiswaste.com forward slash podcast and navigate to the page for this podcast. Before we launch into the interview, if you'd like to receive future interviews as I publish them, then please subscribe to the podcast and please also leave a rating and review, all of which will help to ensure that more people get to learn about the people and organisations I document and the great work they're doing to reduce avoidable food waste. Also, this interview is available as a video, which you can watch on the Food is Wasted website or on YouTube. Just go to foodiswasted.com forward slash YouTube and you'll be taken to the YouTube channel. And now, without further ado, here's my interview with Christina O'Sullivan. Enjoy. I'm Christina. I'm the Communications and Policy Coordinator at Feedback. Um, at Feedback, we're working to create a food system that nourishes the planet instead of destroying the planet like the current food system does. One of the best ways to do that is to stop uh, the amount of food we waste because currently we throw away about one third of the food we produce. So we look at food waste across the supply chain and one of the main ways is looking at how much food supermarkets throw away 
and basically putting pressure on supermarkets to do more to tackle food waste. And you recently published a report that was uh, ranking mm -hmm. supermarkets in terms of their performance in relation to reducing food waste. Um, can you maybe tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, it was something we had been thinking of doing for a while and I think the main motivation for us for doing it was because at the moment it's like food waste is a very kind of hot topic. Almost every couple of days there will be some news item about something a supermarket is doing to reduce waste, be it selling like wonky chilies or selling food that's um, like removing best before dates from fresh produce but we wanted to kind of see in reality like what supermarkets were actually doing so to kind of look behind the supermarket spin is how I would put it and kind of see more like what tangible effects what supermarkets were doing was having and then what supermarkets were doing more than others and then we framed it in a way of looking at how supermarkets were using the food use hierarchy which states that first they should be reducing food waste, then redistributing it, then recycling it, such as like sending it to be turned into animal feed, and then sending it to say energy recovery. Because um, we wanted to see if supermarkets were actually effectively reducing food waste, not just you know doing these PR friendly media um, like activities, basically. And. Well, obviously, I can't. What, what did you find? So, I guess it was a mixed bag. Like, overall, yes, supermarkets are, are like, compared to years ago, they have recognised that this is an issue people care about. It's an issue they have to do something about. But the reality is that Tesco came out as top, and Tesco are doing a lot. Like, they, um, they lead the SDG group, the Champions Group, to reduce food waste from farm to fork by 50% by 2030. They were the first supermarket to publish their food waste supply chain data, have a third party audited. They've got committed to like 12 of their biggest suppliers to commit to reduce food waste by 50% as well. But the reality is for the last two years when they've released their food waste figures, it shows that they haven't actually been able to reduce the overall amount of food waste they're creating, despite all these efforts. So they're redistributing more food in terms of they're sending a lot more food to say food banks or like homeless shelters, but the actual quantity of food still isn't going down. Um, and that's the same when you look at the all supermarkets report food waste data to RAP and it gets reported by the British Retail Consortium. And that figure has kind of stagnated as well. So it suggests that despite there's being some efforts done overall, the re like supermarkets aren't actually reducing food waste. And then it's sort of a mixed bag in terms of some supermarkets are doing well on certain areas, like some are sending food to animal feed, some aren't doing that, but they're maybe doing more on date labeling. So yeah, it's then maybe showing that, well, this supermarket's doing this, so if they're doing that, why can't you do that to try and get them all to be at a higher level? Yeah. So it's, I suppose it's presenting a bigger picture to everybody, so it's instead of yeah, all these different yeah. bits of the puzzle, it's presenting the entire yeah. puzzle and then exposing gaps. Exactly, and I also I spent a lot of time with the report on supermarket websites, mm -hmm. and oftentimes they're just really hard to find the information. Like They don't sometimes make it easy. Sometimes it's quite confusing the way they phrase things. Um, it's oftentimes not up to date. So yeah, just to try and make it clearer for people what exactly people are doing. And also to put things into context because when you start talking about food waste, we're wasting so much food. 
that it, it's like tons and tons of food. So when a supermarket says, we redistributed 100 tons of food last year, that sounds amazing. But um, at Feedback, we have a gleaning network that goes to farms and harvests fresh fruit and vegetables that otherwise would have gone wasted. And last year, we, we saved 100 tons. So you're kind of going, well, we're like a tiny like charity and we managed to do that with like a group of volunteers. So um, if only like, if one supermarket's just, then actually when you put that into context, that's not that much. Yeah. But if you read that as a standalone figure on a company's website, that seems impressive. Yeah, and, and how, how did we get to this point where so much food is being wasted? You know, and, and the supermarkets having such a, a dominant role within our food yeah. culture. And, and yeah. yeah. I think one of the biggest issues, we don't really value food as much anymore, so we can afford to waste it. Like We can afford to buy milk and then it's gone past its use-by date and we think, oh, I don't want to risk it, I'll throw it away. Um, and then I think the supermarket model, it prioritises having a high supply. Um, it doesn't want to have empty shelves, it doesn't want people to come in to the supermarket and not be able to get every single thing they want all the time. And they prioritise that over a more sustainable, less wasteful system. So I don't know if you remember, like it was like last year there was kind of like courgette crisis <laughs> because um, there wasn't that many courgettes, and, and it was like, but why do we need to eat courgettes at this time of year? And at the same time, we reported on there was a massive cauliflower glut, like glut happening in the UK, where um, farmers here were having to throw away like hundreds of like thousands of cauliflowers. Because there was because of the way the weather has, there was this bumper crop. So it was like on one hand, people were supermarkets were like, oh, we don't have enough courgettes to sell, and we had all these cauliflowers that they could have been, they could have been marketing that. Yeah. So I think supermarkets are going to have to change the way in which they sell us things, and that like they would have to be comfortable with. Like, and then we would have to also then be comfortable going to a supermarket and there being an empty shelf and saying, okay, that's the way it is for waste-free system. Because when we talk to a lot of farmers, they're like, supermarkets are so worried about not having whatever product it might be on whatever day that farmers just routinely overproduce because they just have to do that if they want to have a supermarket supplier. But then if the supermarket doesn't need that, so say a supermarket wants lots of strawberries and then the weather changes and it's raining, people aren't buying strawberries, they maybe then won't take those strawberries off the farmer and the farmer has to cover the cost. Yeah. Yeah. So essentially waste is built into the system. And yeah. Quite a significant amount. Yeah. yeah. And um, why, why the focus on supermarkets in particular? I think mainly because supermarkets in the UK, like 98% of people are going to buy something in a supermarket, they've totally revolutionised the way we buy and consume food and ultimately then waste food. Um, so yeah, they have so much power, it's naive to think they don't have power, especially with the Sainsbury's Asda merger, that's going to mean they even more power. So. When you look at stuff like supply chain waste, now in the UK we do have a good initiative called the Groceries Code Adjudicator, which is someone who can basically um, penalise supermarkets who are treating farmers unfairly, and that has made some progress, but every year they do a survey among suppliers and farmers, and pretty much every year it's consistently around 20% of farmers just say they would never make a complaint to the Groceries Code Adjudicator because they're just too worried that they would get delisted, even though it's anonymous. 
they're just like because if you're working on a big farm you almost have to have a supermarket contract to survive mm -hmm. and if you get delisted they're really worried that and even when we talk to farmers a lot of them are quite nervous and although it's anonymous um so yeah i think that supermarkets just have a lot of power in terms of how food in terms of the supply chain supplying food and in terms of how like customers buy food as well so what is the Groceries Code Adjudicator doing anything to try and remedy that situation? Yeah, so they did. They are actually investigating co-op at the moment, right. um, co-op for late payments. They have they had issued a warning to Tesco before. Now they have the power to fine people. So they have. I think it has helped. I think they have brought to light certain issues. I think part of it sometimes is almost there's like a cognitive dissonance between retailers and their suppliers, and that when you talk to retailers, they were like. We love our farmers, we all get on so well, but part of it is because farmers aren't complaining to them because they don't want to get delisted. Um, and I think a lot of times, most supermarkets don't measure supply, supply chain waste, so they don't actually know how much is being wasted on farms either. And because they're not covering that cost, it doesn't. And actually, like Christine Takeon, who is the groceries co adjudicator, said a lot of farmers have said to them, like, if people knew how much was being wasted in supply chains, like, they would take it a lot more seriously. And we released a report in January on food waste on farms in the UK. And on average, among the farmers we talked to, it was 10 to 16%. And RAP estimates conservatively that it's 2.5 million tonnes wasted on farms, um, which is like a, a value of like 0.8 billion. So it's, it's like quite a massive amount. And at the moment, there isn't really much being done on that. Well, how many respondents did you have? Um, we had about 30 for that farmers, but it's quite hard to get farmers to talk, probably because they're just really busy yeah. <laughs> as well. But yeah, but it's consistent with if you some other reports that have been done across Europe, and they released one in Scotland recently, and that was a consistent figure around that match. Right. Yeah, which is an insane amount of food. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and what do you, what's the response been like from the supermarkets? Because obviously, you know, the contents of the report um, sets out key changes that are required yeah. in supermarkets' behaviours, their practices, and their relationships with the consumer, you know, um, us who go in and buy the produce, but also their suppliers. But you know, they've engin they've engineered this situation, this system, mm. over decades and refined it and refined it and refined it. And they're obviously making a huge amount of money out of it. Yeah. And it's very profitable for them. So, you know, what is what has the response been and, and what do you think the likelihood is for them to actually change their practices to more sustainable egalitarian? Yeah. I think it's interesting. I think like on one level, I think supermarkets do recognise that people care about this issue and they have to do something about it. But on another level, I think oftentimes if you go to like a conference and there's people from industry there, there's kind of this naivety around the fact that like, they'll often say, oh, most waste is at the household level. And then if you say, yeah, but if, we, if consumers were to reduce how much food they waste, then your sales would go down because they'd be buying less. And they're like, no, they just buy more higher value products. It's like, no. <laughs> and that's almost like a controversial thing to say, which is ridiculous that it's controversial to say, in order for us to waste less, we just need to spend like less money <laughs> in supermarkets. Um, and I do think, yeah, we shouldn't be naive that actually, you know, we would argue that supermarkets should like actually see 
consider a reduction in sales, that that could be a good idea that's a reflection that customers are buying less and thus probably wasting less. Um, so it, it's mixed. I think on one level, yeah, they do recognize the digital work, but also I think we need such a drastic change in the way that supermarkets currently work that I'm not sure that they're quite ready to do that yet. And it's it's kind of interesting to us that yeah, Tesco are leading the way and they are doing a lot of good stuff, but I'm sort of like in five years if they still haven't managed to reduce it, are they just gonna be like, well, we better go back to the drawing board and maybe make some more radical changes than what we what we're currently doing. Mm. Mm. But then I suppose one of the key one of the key things which is what you're pushing for is greater transparency yeah. so things are measurable. And and you would think that it would be to their benefit, not just yeah. in terms from a PR perspective, but also from a the bottom line perspective that profits to actually sure. minimize waste. Yeah. Because it's a yeah, it's a very like often said thing in the food waste world of like what gets measured gets managed. Mm -hmm. But um Fair Sure, who one of the biggest redistribution organizations in the UK, they said like when they first talked to Tesco, they're like, Oh, we don't waste any food and now they're like their biggest supplier and give them an insane amount of food every year. Mm -hmm. But it, it's kind of that thing and also because you're working on lots of different stores across the country and some probably don't waste loads, some waste an awful lot. So yeah, I think that there is this idea of transparency, like some supermarkets have replied to us saying, oh, well, we do this thing and we're like, okay, great, but do you actually have evidence to show that that scheme you're doing actually works? Because they'll all say, oh, we work with our suppliers to improve forecasting or we work with our farmers. It's like, okay, but are you measuring that? Does it, does it actually work? And yeah, if I just, from their point of view, that kind of makes sense as well because they are throwing away a lot of food. And there was a report out last year that showed that if businesses, it was like for every $1, I think they invested in food weight, in like reducing food waste, they got like a $14 return. So, you know, it's this kind of idea of you actually, it'll probably at the start be hard work and you will have to change the way you do lots of things. But like if you're throwing away, like Tesco's figures for this year show they, they still throw 20,000 tons of edible food waste away to anaerobic digestion, which is like a massive amount of food, which is like, you know, still like a significant amount of money to them. So yeah, I think for us it's, and also then, a lot of supermarkets say they're doing a lot on food waste, but if they're not actually showing us the figures, how do we know? Like, how do we know it's having an actual impact? Yeah. Yeah. And how do they know either? Well, exactly, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's to everybody's benefit that they do start measuring it. And, yeah. Um, so Co-op, when we met them, said they're going to publish figures next year, that they're in line just for their in-store food waste, not for um, the supply chain. But they said they're going to do that next year. And, and how... How do the farmers go about measuring the amount of food that they're wasting, that they're, you know, as a consequence of uh, cosmetic standards or yeah. poor forecasting or, or last minute order cancellations? How, how are they measuring it? Mm. So a lot of farmers don't measure food waste. Um, so a lot of the time they'll just give you an estimate of say how much they are, or they'll be able to say like, this field wasn't harvested because it would have cost me too much to harvest it and I'd know where to sell it to. So I just left it rot in the field. Because um, also a lot of farmers, like because this idea of normalized overproduction is so built in that they'll almost like, they just turn it back into the field and it's almost like they don't see it as waste to a certain extent. Um, so yeah, it's not that every farmer would necessarily measure their food waste. It's more of that's a general thing. They're like, 
I have this buffer, I tend to waste this much. Um, RAP have said they're going to have baseline data for farm level food waste this year, but I'm not, they haven't released it yet, so I'm not sure if they will. But RAP, RAP tends to be a bit soft on supermarkets. And... Yeah, I think, yeah, I mean, we're friends at RAP. <laughs> no, I, yeah, like I think, yeah, oftentimes we would be a bit, have like a stronger approach than RAP would have. And we would say that supermarkets need to do more. Like a lot of RAP stuff will still say like most waste occurs in the households. And it's like, yeah, but you have to look at who's driving that much waste. And also a lot of those figures, when it says say 70% of waste occurs in the household, it doesn't take into account supply chain waste. No, exactly, yeah. Yeah, I think, I think that's one of the, um, the issues that I have with, with the current approach. And, and people putting the spotlight, the focus on the household, yeah. is that it, it's based on flawed data. It's, mm -hmm. it doesn't Because there isn't that information about what's happening at the farm level, yeah. um, but there is more detailed information at a household level, and it just skews yeah, the exactly. perception of uh, the situation, um, and doesn't give people an accurate representation of what's going mm -hmm. on, and therefore hinders any sort of meaningful change and action at the farm level. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, hopefully, hopefully this report and, and uh, what follows will, will help change that. Yeah. Um, and in terms of the initiatives that supermarkets have communicated that they're doing, and both, both kind of um, not very publicly, but then also those that have been very public, like uh, during Hugh Fernie Whittingstall's uh, Hugh's War and Waste mm -hmm. documentary series. Um, was it, it was Morrison's, wasn't it? That was yeah, that he, that yeah. he kind of uh, engaged with and, and challenged them on, and and the outcome of that was lots of new kind of wonky veg mm -hmm. boxes or wonky veg related schemes. Do you know how things have progressed since then? Like because those schemes were maybe just rolled out to a handful of stores. Yeah. Um, and you know everybody was jumping on that bandwagon and kind of. Uh, embracing the wonky veg thing, but but has it really been embraced fully, and uh, and if so, what's yeah? So again, the wonky veg is kind of an, an interesting thing. Like we think wonky veg boxes are good, but there's also a lot more supermarkets doing on that. Like they could release what their cosmetic specifications are. They could also just loosen them quite a lot. So like Aldi. Uh, chain relax their cosmetic relations on potatoes and I think I think they saved 34,000 tons of potatoes which otherwise they said would have fallen out of their specifications which is like quite massive and also like no one even expects potatoes to look a certain way really anyway which kind of shows you and there is stuff like in the House of Lords report the NFU were saying that you know sometimes apples have to be like 50% a certain like red or it's just you know kind of ridiculous standards that don't make sense. Um, and then so on wonky veg, it's like, yeah, it feels like every supermarket now almost claims to have some sort of wonky veg box or they're like, we use wonky products in our ready meals, et cetera, et cetera. But then the Women's Institute did a food waste report last year, I think it was, where they had, I think it was like 2,000 people of their members went to stores just to see what was on offer. And then they found that they could only find wonky veg boxes in 29% of supermarkets. So that's unlike, I know other people who've said like, I tried to buy a wonky veg box and I went to the supermarket and I looked and I couldn't find it. So Morrison's actually have had some data showing they've sold quite a lot. Like there is an appetite and they're, they're selling more every year. So that is good. Morrison's just recently released food waste data, but it wasn't very detailed. It was just like 
one figure, um, and yeah, the Women's Institute actually called them out and it's saying, yeah, you should provide a more detailed breakdown. So again, it's, it's, it's kind of a bit of both. Like there is some evidence that shows, or some data that suggests like actually those are having an impact, but the reality is don't, they don't often provide figures in context. So they'll say, you know, we, we sold 600 tonnes more of carrots, but it's like, but how much did you still waste because of cosmetic specifications? And then another issue with cosmetic specifications also is that some farmers will say to us that oftentimes they're just a front when a supermarket wants to cancel an order. So um, someone once told us that like a supermarket will say it wants X amount of strawberries, you deliver them one day, it's fine. The next day you deliver basically like the same, the same strawberries, they, they look the same, but the supermarket doesn't need them anymore because the demand's gone down. So they'll tell you they're rejecting them based on cosmetic standards. Um, which in theory they shouldn't be able to do. Um, so yeah, I think wonky veg boxes are good, but they have a limit to how, to how useful they can be, particularly when supermarkets aren't giving us all the information about how much actually of the crop they're using um, and how much they're still wasting because of standards. I know the, the kind of, um, the manipulation of the cosmetic standards uh, approach in terms of, yeah, if there's a scarcity, then they're, mm -hmm. they're very flexible. And, yeah, they're very sudden, flexible when it's scarce. And customers don't seem to mind. Oh, yeah. And then when there's a glut, then all of a sudden, yeah, you know, they get they picky. Come, yeah, get yeah. picky. So, you know, that flexibility is having a massive impact uh, at a farm level. Um, but what is there to help, or what is there anything in the pipeline in terms of legislation to try and ensure that? these kind of unfair practices uh, are stopped. Yeah, well, so there is the groceries code of duty here, which that is actually making impact, but it just feels like, so the government had an EFRA committee uh, last year that took evidence from us, from supermarkets, and they actually, some of them get quite a good grilling <laughs> to the supermarkets, and actually the report that they, um, the recommendations of the EFRA committee were quite good. They were in line with stuff we would want, like, as making it mandatory for supermarkets to publish their food waste, having a national target for England to reduce food waste, but the government had, didn't, was just like, mm, we don't think we need to do that, we can continue on with voluntary commitments, which is, I was just like, why did you set up this committee? <laughs> yeah. um, and then currently the government had a consultation open about what uh, like the farming system should look like post-Brexit, and we did respond to that. And we did include stuff like um, the, the, the consultation paper they released focused a lot on productivity and how we needed to increase productivity in England. We're like, well, we should redefine productivity based on like, how much crop is actually used rather than how much you produce. Um, so yeah, like how much food is consumed by acreage, not just harvested. And um, they haven't, they're supposed to be an agricultural bill soon, but obviously there's a lot going on with the government at the moment. I don't know if they're going to be ready as soon as they thought. Yeah. So it's, a, yeah, it is a bit disappointing that they do seem to take more of a soft approach with supermarkets mm. than, than we would maybe like. Yeah. Um, yeah, because especially, you know, I think the best before date as an example, you know, that's, the awareness of the impact of that has been around for years yeah. um, and you know it's only now that um, the co-op and is it Tesco? 
Tesco so, have also taken action in terms so of So Tesco uh, have removed best before dates from I think like 70 fresh products yeah. and Asda took them off like onions and apples and Lidl don't have them on fresh products. Co-op still use them on fresh products but they now, they're the first supermarket to sell food past its best before date which legally you can do because it's not related to safety, it's just related to quality. Mm-hmm. And co-op brought an initiative where they like quite drastically reduce food once it's passed. So like it's like almost like they're selling it for a nominal fee. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there definitely is some work happening on on that issue at the moment. Yeah, yeah but, but in terms of, you know, that, that awareness has, has been around, you know, the supermarkets have kind of known and and also the impact that it's having on, on food waste yeah um, that knowledge has existed both um, at a supermarket level and, and a policy level as well it's been there but but no no action has been taken no new legislation has been written no so like rap recently released some newer guidelines on it but it's like that it's always kind of like guidelines or this is best practice kind of as opposed to being like we're just gonna have you know, you can't have uh, best before dates on stuff that don't need it or, although rap, rap think you should, so it's a bit contested that issue. But yeah, there isn't, there still hasn't been any sort of formalized no. guidance on date labeling. Which, which makes a reliance on any sort of progress in, in terms of reducing food waste, any sort of um, meaningful progress has to come from organizations like Feedback, you know, putting yeah. pressure and it has to come from the consumer. You know, in terms of them putting pressure, which then is dependent on, you know, maybe celebrity chefs and others raising awareness and getting and stirring things up. But yeah, it all seems to have to come from the grassroots up yeah. rather than from, you know, the policymakers down and imposing um, legislation that will make meaningful change, which, you know, I, I personally find very frustrating but because they have the potential to, to change things in a meaningful significant way in a very very short space mm-hmm. of time if they wanted to if the if the incentive yeah. was there and, and they did they had the EFRA committee as well recommending all these things yeah exactly when we got when we got the EFRA committee report we were really excited we were like oh it looks like they actually like listened to all the evidence they took mm-hmm. it all on board and then yeah the government's response was just kind of like business as usual, kind of very, really nothing, minimal. And it's interesting because Wales actually has a national food waste target. Um, and Scotland's on some interesting stuff, like recently they're, they're getting ready to kind of propose a ban on buy one, get one free for stuff like crisps and chocolate and stuff. So there is, like, other people are doing, like, doing things like that, so there's precedent for it. There, like, the US also has a national food waste target, so there isn't kind of a reason, I can't see why we can't why it can't be done. It just seems for some reason a lack of willingness to... It's like they're like, yeah, it's a problem, but we're not going to take it seriously enough. <laughs> yeah. and, and do you think that's in part because of um, the power of the supermarkets and the influence? Do you think they, um, they are possibly kind of um, pulling the strings behind the scenes? Or why, why do you think that inertia exists? I'm not sure. I don't know how much influence supermarkets have, to be honest, over politicians in that sense. I think it's just, um, like, for us, we see, like, food waste, it's, like, a massive climate change issue. And I think that a lot of people just don't recognise how how important it is that we have to change the way the food system works if we're ever going to, like, create, like, if we're ever going to meet our climate change targets. And I think there's just people that 
people just don't recognise that mm. enough and how quickly action needs needs to be taken to do that. And actually, like in some ways, like food waste is quite a quick win in, in that sense in comparison to some other issues that people would want you to address. But yeah, it just feels like a lot of it feels quite tokenistic and it just feels like they're not willing to go to go far enough for what needs to be done to actually address the issue. Because actually they've caught, like RAP have lost a lot of staff recently as well. And um, they've cut funding to RAP. So it's, yeah, so it's like, it's all, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's that idea of on a surface level, it's like food waste is bad, we should reduce it. Yeah. But the, the kind of will to actually tackle it is not really there. So what do you think that we can do as, as individuals, um, as people who frequent supermarkets and... Um, and um, yeah, what, what do you think we can do to try and change things for the better? Yeah, I think it's tough because I think I don't like there being so much focus on individuals because I think on one sense, yeah, of course, we could all choose not to shop in supermarkets. We could all grow our own veg. And, but obviously not everyone has the capacity to do that because not everyone has the money and the time. Um, but I do think that we can put pressure on supermarkets. We can tell them this is an important issue and we won't... Like, if they're not willing to take action on food waste, we won't shop there. Um, I think part of it, yeah, is, you know, yeah, just keeping the pressure up on them. Because supermarkets, think do care about what their customers think of them. It's probably one of the, the bigger things that they care about. And then obviously trying to reduce food waste in our own homes as well is important. But I do think there's a limit to how much of that we can do when there's so much food being wasted in the supply chain and when, yeah, supermarkets are encouraging us to waste so much food as well. And I guess a lot of that is, yeah, like talking to your local politician that like food waste is important to you or like food system issues are important to you. And a lot of people actually replied, like citizens replied to that consultation that the government put out. They had like 4,000 responses, I think. So I think there are a lot of people who are interested in these issues yeah. and are yeah, willing to talk about it. Mm. Yeah, and, but in terms of um, going back to kind of what the government's doing in terms of um, trying to reduce food waste, um, there are currently subsidies for anaerobic digestion and yeah. promotion of that, and that has that has kind of been a substitute to sending food to to landfill. Yeah. It's instead, you know, um, allowing for a zero to landfill policy and, and uh, a quick and easy win, but instead it's heading to anaerobic digestion instead, and, um, which is just above landfill. Yeah, because like anaerobic digestion, like it's like a good technology, but it should be for food that can't be eaten by humans or then can't be eaten by animals. And the reality is that a lot of supermarkets will say, oh, we only send food that is inedible to anaerobic digestion. But just because Tesco's data shows they send 20,000 tonnes of edible food to animal digestion, it suggests that like, they prob if the others aren't measuring it properly, they probably are as well. Just because on reality, it's so much easier. Because if you're sending something to animal digestion, you don't have to store it a certain way. You can just basically like throw it in a bin, essentially. And you don't have to keep it cool. You don't have to make sure it's going to get to like the redistribution place in a, in a time that someone can eat it. So it's a lot cheaper and just easier. And like, yeah, waitress have admitted that like on economic grounds, it's easier to send food to anaerobic digestion. Other people from industry have said the same thing. And fair share always make this point that it's just, 
like the incentives are just it's there to send that like there's an imbalance in terms of how easy it should be so what what do you think needs to be done then to um, address that imbalance and make it make it more create a better incentive for supermarkets to redistribute it rather than to send it down with digestion so I think it's a few things. One is so fair share asking for um, 15 million from the government to basically make it more like so that they can get more food redistributed. But I also think part of it is going back to the idea of transparency. We don't so we know that figure from Tesco, but we don't know from anywhere else how much they're sending to anaerobic digestion. If you talk to any anaerobic digestion organizations, they will say, oh, we only take inedible food waste, inedible food waste. But the reality is sometimes when food gets there, it isn't edible because it hasn't been stored properly because they didn't have to store it properly. So it comes back to supermarkets should be made to track how much they, how much edible food waste they are sending to anaerobic digestion because the food use hierarchy is actually enshrined in UK law. It's just not enforced. And it's supposed to be that supermarkets are supposed to do like best efforts to follow it. But it's like, what does best efforts kind of mean? But if we could show like you are sending way, way more to anaerobic digestion than to redistribution, then that kind of suggests maybe you're not making, you're not making your best effort to get it that way. Or, or to, um, only when we did the report, only three supermarkets currently send food to be processed to turn into animal feed. And on an environmental level, that's so much more beneficial than sending it to anaerobic digestion. So even, even that's easier than redistributing, even to try to get more supermarkets to that level would make it like a big impact as well. And um, in the report's conclusion, you pose the question, is a waste-free supermarket possible? And you know, obviously, I think the potential is there, but as we've discussed, it would require just a, a complete deconstruction of, mm. of the current system and how it functions and, and the supermarket's role and, and how they function within it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, for, for this to happen in any sort of meaningful way in, in a short time frame would require legislation to be written. Um, so, do you see, especially with Brexit, and, and the consultation that there has been um, with that, the run-up to that, and, and the kind of inactivity of policymakers to kind of act upon effort, the effort committee's suggestions. Do you see the potential, or, or what potential do you see um, for there being change then um, to kind of get to the point where the messages, the, the suggestions that you set out in the report are actually acted upon? Yeah, I feel like on one level I'm cautiously optimistic that I feel like uh, obviously there's a lot of bad things around Brexit but it can also be seen as an opportunity to change the food system um, uh, in lots of ways hopefully for the better but until we kind of see what the government actually outlines in this agricultural bill I'm still somewhat sceptical of what just based on as previously said like before um, you know, they've, they've had recommendations and they haven't followed through with them. One area that we are hoping to see some movement on is our pig idea campaign, which is to overturn the ban on feeding surplus food to pigs. At the moment, you can only feed a very small amount of food, like bread or catering um, or like uh, pastries and stuff. If anything that went through a kitchen can't be fed. So it means like a lot isn't. Um, and we think that that's an area that hope the government might, might move on. They seem a bit interested in it. Um, so I'm kind of positive about that, but 
yeah, it's it's tough because on on one level, like I want to believe that supermarkets could be waste free, but as we've said, it would require such a drastic change, and it require so much them to just completely change the way they do business that I'm not quite sure we're going to see that anytime soon. Um, but I also think that oftentimes people will say, you know, supermarkets are here, they're never going anywhere. But like supermarkets haven't been around for that long, like in the grand history and the grand scheme of things. It's not that long ago we didn't have them. And actually like when supermarkets first opened, people were like afraid to pick things up. And now we have the other problem of we're like, can't stop picking things up. So I also think that it's not impossible to have a slightly different food system as well that isn't so dominant. On supermarkets either um, I think yeah we've become so accustomed to them that we think we couldn't possibly live without them but actually maybe maybe we can if they can't make themselves sustainable mm. but then that's that just kind of raises the question about you know there is some sort of disruption to the system at, at present because of well first Ocado and kind of yeah. home delivery but now Amazon mm -hmm. and, and others so what what do you see on the horizon in terms of that disruption that's been um, stirred up by, by those new players to the, the food system, to the food uh, retail kind of... Yeah, it's interesting. We actually didn't, we didn't include Okada in the report, even though they are doing some good stuff on food waste, because we wanted to look at people that are in-store and the impacts that was having. There is some interesting stuff that when you look at, say, online, because they they're not trying to keep stuff fresh in-store, and they can manage stuff in a different way. So I think there is... There's a potential for stuff like that. There's potential for things like with, say, meal kits like HelloFresh in terms of your people are only getting quantities of food they need to make a certain meal. Maybe things like that will have more of an impact. I think another thing that um, a lot of supermarkets are responding to now, but there's still more work to be done, is um, this rise in people eating a lot less meat. Mm -hmm. I think that's going to shape a lot of... I was in Tesco the day and they had their own like, vegan cheese. I was like, oh, wow, <laughs> that would not have even been really conceivable like a couple of years ago. Yeah. So I think people, yeah, as there will be maybe more transition to more plant-based stuff as well, which will probably change how supermarkets operate as well. So yeah, I think there is, there is a potential for the food system to be quite different mm -hmm. in the future. Where can people find out more, well, find the report, where can they find out more about feedback and how can they get involved? And support yeah. the work that we do? Um, so the report's on our website, which is feedbackglobal.org. Um, you can find all our reports there. So the farm waste report that we talked a bit about as well is on there. Um, the best way then to figure out what, like to keep up to date what we're doing is to follow us on social media. So on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. And also if you go on our website, you can join our mailing list where we regularly then send updates about things we're doing. And if we're running a petition that people can get involved in, or an email action to supermarkets which we did recently, then all that stuff will be there. Okay, great. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Food is Wasted podcast. I hope you enjoyed the interview with Christina and hearing about the activities of supermarkets to reduce the food waste that they produce and cause. Once again, you can download the report via the link in the show notes, and of course, you can do so via the feedback website at feedbackglobal.org. That's feedbackglobal, all one word, dot org. Please don't forget to visit the Food is Wasted website where you can learn about the issue of food waste in more depth and the great work of people and organizations to reduce it. 
and please subscribe via iTunes or wherever you download your podcast and rate and review to help more people hear the stories and experiences of the people that I interview. Thank you once again for listening and take care. Thank you.